Welcome, listeners, to the next episode of They Didn't Teach That at School. My name is Mark Kerrigan, and the theory behind this podcast is to uncover some of the amazing, fascinating, and quirky things that have occurred throughout history that they didn't teach you at school. Our first 10 podcasts are going to focus on the Bible, and we're going to discover some incredible things that you probably didn't know. Today's episode will begin by focusing on everyday life in Roman-occupied Judea. We're going to look at how people lived, the influence Roman occupation had on the populace, and what led to Pontius Pilate making his fateful decision to execute Jesus of Nazareth. From there, we will delve into sedition, rebellion, and the tumultuous events that led to the catastrophic destruction of Jerusalem in 70 CE. Let's begin our journey by stepping into the bustling streets of a typical Judean town. Picture yourself surrounded by a vibrant tapestry of colours as merchants from different corners of the region set up their stalls, offering an array of goods and wares. The aroma of spices, freshly baked bread and exotic fruits filled the air, enticing your senses. In this diverse society, people from various backgrounds coexist, each contributing to their own unique customs and beliefs. The Jewish population, deeply connected to their faith and traditions, observed the Sabbath and other religious rituals with utmost devotion. Synagogues serve as gathering places for worship, study and community discussions, fostering a sense of unity and identity. But it's not just the Jewish population that shaped the fabric of everyday life in first century Judea. The region is also home to Samaritans, who have their own religious practices and cultural heritage. Their history and interaction with the Jewish community add layers of complexity to the social dynamics of the time. As you navigate through the towns and villages, you'll encounter a myriad of professions and trades. The smell of wood shavings waft through the workshops of the carpenters, while blacksmiths hammer away at their anvils, crafting essential tools for the community. Farmers tend to the fields, nurturing crops that sustain the population and finding respite in the simple rhythms of nature. Education holds a special place in Judean society. Parents and community leaders emphasise the importance of passing down knowledge and preserving cultural heritage. Synagogue schools, led by rabbis and teachers, impart teachings from the Torah and other sacred texts, ensuring the continuity of Jewish traditions for future generations. The daily life of a typical Judean is intricately intertwined with the rhythms of the agricultural seasons, as it has been for centuries. Planting, tending and harvesting crops dictate the ebb and flow of the year, while shepherds guide their flocks across the pastoral landscapes, finding solace in the timeless bond between human and animal. Families play a central role in first century Judea. Multi-generational households live together, sharing their joys and sorrows and responsibilities. The elderly are revered for their wisdom and experience, and their presence provides a strong sense of connection and continuity to the past. However, the daily lives of the Judeans are not untouched by the realities of Roman occupation. In the year 63 BCE, Pompey the Great, a Roman general, made his way to the eastern Mediterranean. The Roman Republic's influence was spreading rapidly and it was only a matter of time before they set their sights on the prized region of Judea. As the Roman legions arrived, Judea was ruled by the Hasmonean dynasty, descendants of the Maccabees, who had successfully fought for Jewish independence from the Seleucid Empire. 
However, internal strife and power struggles weakened the Hasmonean rulers, making them vulnerable to outside forces. The Roman army, under the command of Pompey the Great, subjugated the territory with ease. One figure who looms large in Judea's political landscape is Herod the Great. He was appointed as king of Judea by the Romans in 37 BCE and ruled until his death in 4 BCE. Herod was known for his ambitious building projects, including the expansion of the Second Temple in Jerusalem. However, his rule was also marked by controversies and brutal tactics to maintain power. Herod's death sparked a power struggle within his family. The region was divided amongst his three surviving sons, Archelaus, Herod Antipas, and Philip the Tetrarch. Archelaus took control of Judea, Samaria, and Idumea, but faced significant opposition from the Jewish population. The unrest led to his removal by the Romans in 6 CE, which brought Judea directly under Roman rule. Judea became a fascinating blend of Roman influence and Jewish tradition. The Roman Empire had vast territorial reach, and in 6 CE, when Judea was officially incorporated into the province of Judea, a Roman governor was appointed. The Jewish-Roman combination made for complex relationships. The Jewish people held on to their religious and cultural identity, which often clashed with Roman practices and the heavy taxation they faced. The presence of Roman soldiers and the requirement to worship the emperor as a deity also caused resentment amongst the Jewish population. The Jewish population had a long history of resistance to foreign rule. One notable resistance movement during this time was the Zealots, who vehemently opposed the Roman rule and advocated for the establishment of an independent Jewish state. They engaged in acts of violence and guerrilla warfare, which created considerable unrest and further strained the relationship between the Jewish population and the Romans. In 26 CE, an attempt to ease the tension saw Punctius Pilate appointed the fifth Roman prefect of Judea. Pilate faced numerous challenges in governing a people with deep religious convictions. Pilate's governorship was marked by a series of controversial incidents, one which still echoes throughout time, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. According to Gospel accounts, it was Pilate who ultimately made the decision to execute Jesus, despite finding no fault in him. But what compelled Pilate to make such a fateful choice? The decision Pilate faced was complex and politically charged. On one hand, he wanted to maintain order and stability in the region, especially during the Passover festival, when tensions often ran high. On the other hand, he faced pressure from influential Jewish leaders who saw Jesus as a threat to their authority. To unravel Pilate's mindset during that fateful trial, we must understand the delicate balance of power he sought to maintain. The Roman Empire demanded allegiance, obedience, and the suppression of any potential uprising. Pilate's primary concern was to prevent any unrest that could threaten Roman rule in Judea. As we explore the motives behind Pilate's actions, it's important to acknowledge the limited historical evidence we have. The accounts of the trial and Pilate's interaction with Jesus primarily come from the New Testament Gospels, which were written several decades after the event occurred. Nevertheless, these texts provide valuable insights into the political climate and the challenges faced by Pilate. Pilate's predicament was further complicated by his strained relationship with the Jewish leadership. His decisions often sparked anger and resistance from the local population, and he faced multiple conflicts with the religious leaders who felt their authority was being challenged. These tensions culminated in the trial of Jesus, 
a highly charged event that would have lasting repercussions. Pilate's role in the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth has sparked debate among scholars and theologians for centuries. Some view Pilate as an unwilling participant coerced into executing Jesus by the political climate and the pressure exerted by the Jewish leaders. Others argue that Pilate bore full responsibility for his decision as the ultimate authority in Judea. While the exact motivations behind Pilate's choice may never be known, it is clear that his actions forever shaped the course of history. The trial and crucifixion of Jesus became the catalyst for the rise of Christianity, a faith that spread across the world and continues to influence millions to this day. Beyond his involvement in Jesus' crucifixion, Pilate's governorship was marked by other controversial decisions. His use of funds from the temple treasury to finance a controversial water project, his violent suppression of Samaritan uprisings, and his clashes with the Jewish population all contributed to his complex legacy. After ten tumultuous years as governor of Judea, Pilate was eventually recalled to Rome. His subsequent fate remained somewhat clouded in mystery. Some accounts suggest that he fell out of favour with the Roman authorities, while others indicate he may have faced punishment or exile. The exact details of his final years and his ultimate fate remain elusive. While the Romans maintained a presence in the region, local rulers, such as Herod the Great and his descendants, continued to exercise varying degrees of authority over different parts of Judea. Roman soldiers patrolled the streets, collecting taxes, and ensuring compliance with imperial rule. In this political charged atmosphere, whispers of resistance and rebellion echoed through the air. The zealots and other groups yearning for independence and freedom saw armed resistance as the path to reclaiming their land from foreign rule. Their actions brought both hope and despair to the hearts of the people. The tension between the Jewish population and the occupying Roman forces ultimately led to a series of revolts, most notably the First Jewish-Roman War, which began in 66 CE. The rebellion initially saw some success as the Jews managed to drive the Romans out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city of great historical and religious importance, housing the iconic Second Temple. This sacred structure served as the epicentre of Jewish worship, where thousands of pilgrims would gather during major festivals. The Romans, led by General Vespasian and later his son Titus, sought to assert their dominance over the Jewish population, leading to mounting unrest. In the year 66 CE, the Jewish people, weary of Roman oppression and spurred on by religious zeal, rebelled against their Roman overlords. Initially, the uprising was successful, with Jewish rebels driving out the Roman garrison from Jerusalem. They established an independent Jewish state and elected leaders who would guide them through this turbulent period. The Jewish resistance movement, known as the Zealots, played a significant role in the defence of Jerusalem. These fiercely devoted individuals were prepared to sacrifice everything for their cause. A splinter group of the Zealots, known as the Sicarii, meaning the Dagger Men in Latin, were a clandestine faction of Jewish Zealots who adopted brutal and calculated approach to resist Roman authority. Their name derived from their weapon of choice, the Sicca, a small curved dagger concealed beneath their garments. These relentless assassins struck fear into the heart of both Romans and fellow Jews alike. As the Roman siege tightened its grip on Jerusalem in 70 CE, the Sicarii took centre stage. They fortified themselves within the walls of the city, defying the overwhelming Roman might. Led by charismatic leaders like Menahem ben Yehuda and Eliza ben Simon, 
the Sicarii were driven by an unyielding determination to protect their homeland and defy the Roman invaders. The Sicarii employed a range of strategies to undermine the Roman forces. One of the most audacious tactics involved infiltrating the ranks of Roman soldiers by posing as ordinary civilians. Disguised as non-combatants, they would stealthily approach their targets and strike with deadly precision, plunging their daggers into the backs of their enemies before melting back into the crowd. The Sicarii also wreaked havoc within the city walls, targeting those they perceived as collaborators or traitors, usually the rich or influential members of society. With each assassination, they sought to eliminate any potential threat to their cause while instilling fear and paranoia amongst the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The city became a powder keg of suspicion and uncertainty, as no one knew who might be a Sicari agent lurking in the shadows. With their violent actions leading a trail of bloodshed and terror, the Sicari also had a profound impact on the collective psyche of the besieged population. Their relentless resistance served as a rallying cry, inspiring many to fight fiercely against the Roman onslaught. However, their methods also led to divisions amongst Jewish people, with some viewing the Sicarii as extremists who undermined their chances of survival. In the spring of 70 CE, the Roman legions, commanded by Titus, began the siege of Jerusalem during the festival of Passover. His calculations for the timing were brutal. Titus had allowed Passover festival continue unhindered, with pilgrims streaming in from all over the country for the feast. Once the city was full, Titus began his siege. Outside the city were four Roman legions. Inside were the Passover pilgrims, the city's inhabitants, and the three rebel factions, all vying for control with increasingly cruel violence. The Jewish resistance in Jerusalem had no chance to withstand four Roman legions, and eventually they would have been overcome. However, the cruelty that the rebel zealot factions inflicted on each other increased the number of casualties and the suffering of the people in ways beyond what the Romans could have done on their own. The Jewish infighting made the Romans' job easier, and Titus decided to let the Jews destroy themselves. His calculations proved right. At the beginning of the siege, zealous factions burned a stockpile of grain that could have lasted the city for years. This insane act quickly brought on starvation and suffering and hastened the fall of the city. As the Roman siege continued, the situation inside Jerusalem became increasingly desperate. At one point, as many as 500 people a day were caught trying to escape and crucified outside the city walls. Inside the city was death from starvation and murder. Outside, you were crucified. On the 9th of the Hebrew month of Av, uh, roughly our date of the 4th of August, Titus's forces breached the city walls from the north and commenced a great slaughter of those left inside. Many of the survivors fled to the temple for protection, where they met their end. Before setting fire to the temple, the Roman legionnaires made pagan sacrifices on the temple's holy altars. Afterwards, they took nearly 100,000 Jews captive, and they were sold into slavery across the Roman Empire. The fall of Jerusalem was a pivotal moment in history. It marked the end of Jewish independence and the beginning of a new era, and Judea was firmly entrenched as a Roman province. However, even under strict Roman rule, Jewish resistance persisted. The yearning for freedom and independence continued to burn in the hearts of the people. A second major revolt, known as the Bar Kokhba Revolt, erupted in 132 CE. Led by Simon Bar Kokhba, the rebellion saw significant in initial success, 
leading the Romans to dedicate substantial military resources to suppress it. The Bar Kokhba result was marked by fierce battles and guerrilla warfare, but ultimately the Romans prevailed. They retook Jerusalem, decimated the Jewish population, and imposed harsh restrictions on Jewish religious practices. The Emperor Hadrian further sought to erase Jewish identity by renaming Jerusalem and building a Roman city atop the ruins of the Jewish capital. The Bar Kokhba result was a major turning point in Jewish history. It was the final crisis that scattered the people of Israel into a diaspora that would last nearly 2,000 years. Enormous numbers of Jews, both soldiers and civilians, were slaughtered. Many of the survivors were sold into slavery. Others fled from a nation that had been decimated by war. It was a loss that completely severed a people from its roots. Hadrian banned Jews from Jerusalem and attempted to erase their connection to it through changing its name to Alia Capitolina. The Roman occupation of Judea left an indelible mark on the region. It profoundly impacted the Jewish identity and spurred a renewed focus on religious texts and traditions. The Pharisees, a Jewish sect focused on interpretation of the law, rose to prominence, and the foundation was laid for what would later become Rabbinic Judaism. The Roman occupation of first century Judea was a complex and turbulent period, a clash between powerful empires and a people fiercely dedicated to their faith and homeland. It is a story of political intrigue, religious resistance, and cultural transformation that continues to resonate throughout the ages. An interesting footnote to these tumultuous events is the distinct difference in the message and tone of Mark's Gospel compared to the other three. Mark's Gospel was the only one written prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 CE. The climate of fear and uncertainty was palpable through the Jewish community and they truly feared they were facing the end of days. Mark's Gospel is quite apocalyptic as it reflects the thoughts and feelings of the Jews and the expectation that the Romans would bring about the end of their civilization. Judaism itself is an eschatological religion, and Mark's early Christian gospel reflect Judaic thinking about the Messiah presenting himself when the current world ends. Some example of this are Mark having Jesus predict the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and describes the signs of the end of times, including wars, famines, and earthquakes. Jesus also emphasizes the unpredictability of the end time and compares it to a homeowner not knowing when a thief will come. And finally, Jesus warns his disciples about the trials and tribulations they will face before the end comes, urging them to endure, urging them to endure and remain faithful amidst persecution. These passages highlight various apocalyptic these passages highlight various apocalyptic themes such as the destruction of the temple, cosmic signs, the second coming, judgment, and the inauguration of a new era. Remarkably, even though the Romans crushed all resistance and destroyed Jerusalem, the world did not end and the Messiah did not come. This caused a major rethink within Christian circles, which was reflected in the tone and message of the subsequent three Gospels. They still spoke about the coming of the kingdom of God, but it was subtly altered to suggest that the kingdom of God could be brought about in this current world when we all stopped fighting and treated everyone with respect and love. Matthew's Gospel in particular highlights the ethical teachings of Jesus. Matthew has Jesus presenting a radical way of living, challenging his followers to embrace a higher moral standard with an emphasis on humility, love, mercy, forgiveness and non-violence to bring about God's kingdom. 
Through these teachings, Matthew emphasizes that the kingdom of God calls for a radical transformation of the heart, a new way of being in the world. It is an invitation to participate actively in redemptive work, to bring healing and reconciliation to a broken and divided world. Similarly, Luke's narrative challenges us to embrace a radical form of love that transcends societal norms and embrace the forgotten and neglected. Luke's Gospel features numerous parables that highlight the theme of inclusive love, from the parable of the Good Samaritan, challenging cultural prejudices, to the prodigal son, illustrating the boundless mercy of God. These stories convey the transformative power of love and forgiveness. They remind us that God's kingdom is characterized by radical acceptance, compassion, and reconciliation. Luke's Gospel invites us to reach out to the marginalized and to live lives of compassion, prayer, and radical love as we seek to participate in God's kingdom here on earth. There is still an eschatological component to this new message, as the new loving world would have to replace the current strife-ridden one, but no longer requires the destruction of the old world. It requires us to transform it. This message is still promoted by Christian religions today, over 2,000 years after the destruction of Jerusalem. And that wraps up episode six of They Didn't Teach That at School. Once again, thank you for listening to my ramble through the amazing and fascinating things that occurred in first century Judea. It is truly incredible to see how the events of 2,000 years ago still shape our lives. Don't forget to tune into my next podcast when we are going to look at the various flood myths of ancient religions. Floods have been part of human history since time immemorial and across different civilizations and religions, we find remarkable stories of deluges that shaped entire landscapes and changed the course of history. I hope you've enjoyed this dive into ancient history and the quirky details that make it so intriguing. Stay curious, keep exploring, and remember, there's always more to learn. I'm Mark Herrigan. See you next time on They Didn't Teach That in School.